0: Remembering the great DJs of radio, it's Radio Greats with the Live Luke. Well,
1: in what is the final edition of my Radio Greats? I uh, I think it's fair to say to save the best for last. And uh, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Sa- saving the best for last indeed, because um, my guest uh, in this edition of Radio Greats, I've always wanted to involve ever since starting uh, it uh, not that long ago. And uh, what can I say? about her she has uh, worked in the radio business for the best part of almost four decades working on stations <laughs> from jfm uh, county sounds capital radio one radio two virgin smooth and she currently does evenings on magic and i look forward to learning a bit more about her in this edition but before i do Lynn parsons How do I find you today? (laughs) You find me standing up. Well,
2: actually, is it all right to say we're doing this quite late at night um, because it worked well for both of us. Um, I've got a hot chocolate, uh, but I am standing. um, I'm down the bottom of the garden uh, in the home studio where I've worked since the beginning of the pandemic. And um, I'm quite chilled because I've just finished a show. Um, which means I'm sort of a bit more relaxed. though. very happy to be here.
1: Well, it's an honour to have you uh, today, Lynn. And uh, for the past um, 35 years, you've been on stations across the country. But going back to the beginning, how was it you developed the radio bug?
2: Well, I lived in a big house in Tooting Bec with um, three lots of family. So um, my grandmother, my parents, and then there were three of us. I've got two brothers. And all I can tell you is Um, my earliest memories are listening to my parents play Frank Sinatra, Frankie Vaughan. There was always music on in the house. But more than that, we all had our own radio in our own bedroom, so our individual bedrooms. And we would listen to different radio stations, but we would all come together at night. And we would often, when I say we would all come together at night, our radios would all be tuned. There'd be a sort of echo um, because there were four floors to this house and we'd all be listening to BBC Radio London. Um, Yeah, it was BBC Radio London. Um, And there was Tommy Boyd. There was Jeremy Beadlebum. And I call him that because that's what he called himself on the radio. uh, Robbie Vincent. And it was talk radio. So we're not talking about talk radio like LBC. This kind of talk radio doesn't really exist anymore. So we're not talking about BBC Radio 5 Live, which is all news news based. They did have a news on the hour and many of the presenters were news journalists, but they were much more involving the audience. So they'd just give them three or four subjects and then people would ring up and say, oh, this happened to me once. Or So it was much lighter. And you can imagine if we were children, it would have to be a bit lighter. I don't think that we should all have been listening to heavy news all night, but we all went to sleep listening to the radio. Beaglebum 261
0: Pick up your phone and join in the fun On 3538111 Sunday nights are made for you and all the crew, it's quizzing competition time. You better not leave
1: your brains behind. A sense of the ridiculous comes in fine. Stand by radios or get on the line to feel a bumper. So when you mentioned that it, it was sort of lighter,
2: let me give you an example. So if you've got Jeremy Beadle presenting, he might say, Um, tonight we are going to talk about the time that you're were out in the street and you thought you knew someone, you started talking to them and then realised halfway through the conversation it was actually a famous person. So it would be that kind of thing, as opposed to, let's talk about what the government are doing, da-da-da-da-da-da. So nothing like that, nothing heavy. So it was very light. And then I always remember um, that Capital was the big music station. I was, you know, living in London, but Capital was the station that pulled me in as a child and my first experience in radio was hospital radio and I heard on Capital Radio one Saturday afternoon someone say they're looking for volunteers at Hospital Radio 9 in Tooting which you know as soon as I heard tooting
1: I went along. So you 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 start uh, volunteering with hospital radio uh, in Tooting, mm-hmm. um, and then um, I I never realised this before that um, after cutting your teeth with hospital radio, you begin your radio career with pirate radio.
2: Well, I did the chart at the hospital radio station, and so it was down to me because I was not working at that point. I probably would have been fifteen. There was a record shop, very famous record shop, I discover lots of other broadcasters knew it, called Goodness Records at Tooting Broadway Station. It was right beside there. And I used to go in and see a man called Brian Anthony. And when I was buying my own records, I'm the one that would go in and go, I've heard this song and it goes, la, 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 la. And they'd go, oh yeah, I know which one it is. But I went in and said, how do you feel if we talk about you on hospital radio and say you've given us the records in just loaning us the top 20 every week and then we'll bring them back to you and look after them. And um, the owner Anthony, uh, Brian Anthony said to me, well, you can do this. Yes. So he, that's how we met. And then he ran JFM. So, I guess about a year after that, he said, "I'm looking for someone to work on this radio station." How did you feel about it? And it, do you know what pirate radio was extraordinary in those days? Pirate radio was extraordinary, and it really was. Um, I don't think I realised that we had police looking for our. air. I mean, police don't have time to do things like this now. But I don't don't think we realised that people were actually looking for aerials and where we were broadcasting from. Um, I think it just was great fun and I love the music. Um, so that's how I got into pirate radio. But I mean, I could tell you a million funny stories about doing it from um, somebody's bedroom in a flat in Kingston and then uh, them changing it to someone else and changing it to somewhere else. And there was a guy called Steve Walsh um, who had a massive hit with the Fat Back Band, a cover of the Fat Back Bands that I Found Loving many, many years ago. And he was larger than life. That's the most polite thing I think I should say. And um we were moved to a garage somewhere in Clapham and in order to get into the studio there was a fake wardrobe and I do believe now Steve Walsh isn't with us anymore and he was a very lovely man but I do believe I once went in there and Steve Walsh couldn't get out of the wardrobe <laughs> it was that kind of thing egg boxes on the on the studio walls you know to keep the the sound dead in the studio <laughs> many many funny stories
1: Oh, brilliant! But, but but am I right in thinking when you when we when we talk about pirate radio and JFM, wasn't this at a time when uh, the pirates were seeing a revival? Well, you see,
2: because I had always listened to radio, but I had not worked in radio. I don't think I realised that we were breaking. I think I was quite naive to it all. I just thought this is fantastic. I can play songs and I can talk. I should say to you that um, when I was at school, I was, so it was O-levels rather than GCSEs, which does age me, uh, but I took nine O-levels. And when the results came out, I got nine unclassifieds. So the only thing I can do, Luke is talk. And so where that leaves you is, I'm not going to be a lawyer or a doctor. I'm not going to be a great cook. I'm not a bad driver, but I can talk. And I've been so lucky for all these years. It is in excess of 35. It's quite a large number, but I've just been so lucky to get away with talking for a living and playing songs. So it's no more complicated than that.
0: JFM Funks to Europe. On Tuesday May the 15th, JFM presents a fabulous funk cruise across the channel. For an all-inclusive price, you travel from various pickups in and around London to Portsmouth by luxury video-equipped express coaches, where you transfer to one of the Townsend Torrison fleet, which departs at 11am and arrives in Sherbourg at 3.30pm. The return cruise, lasting a full 10 hours, leaves sherbourg at 8pm in the evening, leaving plenty of time to buy your duty-free. Arrival back in London will be approximately 8 a.m. on Wednesday, May the 16th. You can dance on the biggest dance floor outside of the United States to top JFM DJs and see top bands live on stage, as well as many guest PAs.
1: I do say good, good for you on on that, because um, talking has, um, has got you uh, from place to place, because after um, your stint with JFM, um, you make your local radio debut, should we say, with a little, uh, station in Surrey called, uh, County Sound. So what kind of station was County Sound? County Sound was a commercial radio station, um,
2: not unlike capital and I realized I couldn't start at capital but what I should say is that I've always done more than one thing at once and my first job was working when video was a big thing it was a you know the next big thing so I was working in film and video I was 16 and I was also so this was as well as doing the radio um i i did county sound one night a week on a Saturday night and then I would race down the a three no obviously i wasn't breaking the speed limit race down the a three uh to Camden and uh vision mix the wide awake club for TVAM. so um th- there was it, there was a lot going on in my life there was a lot going on in my life um but radio was always there I would lay awake at night thinking. This is what I have to do. I know that it, it, I don't find this difficult. Um, so it, I was straddling two things. So that's why I was doing one show a week at County Sound. They, people were always lovely to me. I, it's so kind and they always offered me more work than I could take. But the fact is the television paid the bills, but the television was also an adventure. So and I'm sure with yourself, every single thing that you turn your hand to, whether it's um, volunteering at the local charity shop or uh, it is um, meeting with some people in your village, which I often do with an orange jacket on and pick up the rubbish because nobody else is putting it in the bins or whatever. Every single thing you do in your life is connected and it all brings they they call it a rich tapestry of life don't they but everyone you meet has something to you can you can learn from them and i think that because i had a television career going on as well it was less scary doing the radio I think, do you understand where I'm coming from on that?
1: I, I do, yes. Yeah, I it do. wasn't
2: all my eggs in one basket. And I was always surprised when people asked me to come back. But of course, it was an adventure. It was always an adventure. And I'm always looking for an adventure. I'm still looking for an adventure.
1: Oh, well, no, that, that's, that's the most important thing about having adventures and that. And um, I mean, the TV stuff sounded... A lot like a lot of fun. And then also, as you were saying, doing the show with County Sounds. Can you remember that first show you did with them?
2: I do. I remember very well. It was Mike Powell that was in charge down there. Uh, I say down there because it's down there from the direction I live in. Um, It was in Guildford. And it's interesting because in those days when the show finished which was one o'clock in the morning the Ofcom rule was there was no broadcasting overnight for that particular station but I'd have to put tone on but I mean legally now you cannot be in a building on your own but I was in a building on my own as a very young woman (laughs) so I used to run to the car (laughs) in the dark and then get in the car and then drive down to (laughs) TVAM I do remember it well I remember it very well
1: So you you also talked about earlier about wanting to get to Capital. That did come about because in 1987, after Cutting Your Teeth in Guildford and as well as that, uh, the stuff with TVAM, then you make the big move uh, down to London with uh, Mm -hmm. Capital Radio. So... I've got to ask, how did this uh, The Capital Dream come?
2: The Capital Dream came because I was vision mixing for the Wide Awake Club and they needed a new presenter. The way the auditions worked was that every 15 minutes they had someone booked in so i think we had a day of i was i was just vision mixing a uh, day of people running into the studio and tommy boyd was presenting so once again i'd listened to him as a child he was presenting the wide awake club and they were looking for someone new and then someone didn't turn up for the penultimate audition and they said right we've got to wait for the last person to arrive is there anybody here that would like to go in and have some fun and nick wilson was the producer of children's for tbam And lots of people through the talk back in the different departments went, oh, Lynn Parsons, get out there, go and have some fun. And I looked at Nick Wilson and I said, shall I go and do it for a bit of fun? And he said, yes. And as I left the gallery, he said to me, have as much fun as you like because you're not what I'm looking for. And that was it that was it. So you're you're almost given a bit between the teeth, aren't you? Um, And I went out and I sung a song and um, got a lovely round of applause from all my friends that were working there in the sound department and the vision department and the cameras. So I knew everybody behind the cameras as well. So once again, you're not in a fearful position, which makes it a, a little bit easier. And when I walked back into the gallery, Nick Wilson said the job's yours. Do you you want the job? That was fantastic. And I said, no, I don't want the job. I don't want to be seen on television. That's not my thing. I'd like to work in radio. So he said, come and see me for a cup of tea. So I went to see him for a cup of tea. And he said, "Okay, have you done some radio? I said, I've done a little bit of radio. Yes. And he said, where would you like to work? And I said, Capital. And he said, I'm going to have a bet with you then. I think you should send them your last show with a little note. And let me know what happens. If you're not going to come and work for me, why don't you just go for that? And I said to him, well, I really love being a vision mixer. So I went home and it really was just, I found out it was Richard Park. I had to take the the tape into so um, I did him a, a little note and dropped it off on my way home the following day four o'clock in the afternoon just as a bet with Nick Wilson and by the time I'd got home at five in the afternoon there was a message on my answer phone from Richard Park and it said can you come in and see me tomorrow so I did go in and see him and he said I'd like you to come and work for me and I said to him okay <laughs> but he said to me I want you to give up vision mixing and I said no that's not okay That's how I earn a living. And it was a very strange thing. I was very in control and I think I was in control because I was straddling television where I had a good reputation as a vision mixer and I wanted to be in control. I didn't want to be out of control. So I went home and I thought, you know, that didn't go so well. It did, but it didn't. And then a week later, there was, uh, if you were to check through the archives, you'll find there was... Uh, Margaret Thatcher was in government and there was a massive industrial dispute at TVAM and we were locked out of the building and Richard Park rang me and he said, you're not working as a vision mixer anymore. Will you come and work for me now? And I said, yes, I will. <laughs> so there you go. That was a, a magical, I, I don't know what, what you would call it, um, the timing The timing was just extraordinary. Ten past one in London simply read Stars. And from summer 1980, Bob Marley and the Wailers, they were jamming. Wednesday night into Thursday morning on 958. Lynn Parsons around the world in 60 seconds. Ahead of that, the Love Parade, one thirty through 2. It's currently 2.36 degrees in the centre of town and the Westway is closed. Minus 2.27 out of town. The outlook for Thursday. Hazy sunshine, 10.50 degrees, the expected high and the Westway is closed.
1: That magical timing, but um, at the the same time, as you you said, it was sort of when he initially asked you, it was sort of the it was you were sort of between the rock and the hard place mm. but in a, in a positive way because mm. here's here's the station that you wanted to work for uh, all your life and it did uh, come true so I, I have to ask can you remember that first show you did with capital I do my first song that I played
2: was when will I be famous by Bros <laughs> um, it was at midnight. On a Friday night, it was it was very exciting. It was just very exciting.
1: And I, I've got to, I've got to ask. Being in Euston Tower, that has always sounded like a lot of fun. And seeing the the pictures of uh, all the uh, all the the jocks that have been there. Unfortunately, of course, Euston Tower is no longer there. Um, but I, I I have to ask, did you ever have the fortune of meeting Kenny Everett? I
2: did. I did, and he was an extraordinary human being. He really was on and off air. Uh, He was what they would call an introverted extrovert. He was extrovert and superb just amazing on the radio. I mean, just my favourite for lots of reasons. Off air, he was the shyest person in the entire world. And it was just a joy to be in the same building as him.
1: I I have to ask about working at Capital. What was your highlight with them? Oh, that's impossible to say.
2: That is impossible (laughs) because being there, it's where my heart was. That's not to say I didn't enjoy my time at Radio 1, but I'd never listened to Radio 1 before I went there. So I did I lived in London, so Capital was what I grew up with and it was what made my heart sing. Everything about it, so not just the people there, it was the experience of playing records, playing CDs, which of course I don't do anymore. Um, It was just the whole experience. I did get to interview some really fantastic artists like... Billy Joel, Michael McDonald, uh, Al Jarreau. In fact, I think I did my first interview. I think the first interview ever at Capitol. They sent me off with a tape recorder to interview Cliff Richard. And I couldn't, I didn't even know how this tape recorder worked. And Cliff Richard was lovely to me. He he knew exactly how it worked because he'd done so many interviews before. Billy Joel. I mean, who gets a chance to sit down for a couple of hours and talk to Billy Joel? That was just joyful. And uh, one of my listeners sent me a copy of the album, The Stranger. And I had that with me for that interview because I'd said on air I was going to be talking to Billy Joel. And interestingly, uh, Billy Joel signed that album and it is on top of my piano as I speak.
1: Oh, fantastic. And I have to ask, when you did interview him, was he sitting at a piano?
2: He wasn't sitting at a piano. In fact, he was sitting in one of the back rooms, which was not very rock and roll (laughs) at Capitol and was not as confident as I could. Because I was, you know, you're always worried at that early stage. You're always worried that you might ask the wrong question. Um, And it wasn't like that at all. It was very much a meeting of minds. I'd done my research and he was very gentle, very introverted again. You know, we're talking about Kenny Everett being an introverted extrovert. And I would say the same about Billy Joel. I think if I had sat at a piano and talked to him, he might have been a bit more confident because that's where his comfort zone was. 118 in the capital, and this morning on breakfast bids, Karen Perry from Essex won her weight in pound coins, which is 6,109 pounds.9 pence. <laughs> she said she was nine stone. I'll tell you, I'd have told them I was 20 stone and sat up all night eating cream cakes. <laughs> oh, that's only me. Tina Turner, The Way of the World, and the East Side Beat with the Christopher Cross classic Ride Like the Wind. Well, the
1: kids talked about Capital and and the fun it was there and and growing up not listening to Radio 1. And I actually remember Mick Brown and Tim Smith because they've done one of these yes. podcasts before and they said about because Capital was so big and powerful Radio 1 hardly existed in London but December of 1991 arrives and you make the move from Capital to Radio 1. Um and of course Radio 1 being as it was then the nation's favourite, but Having not listened to Radio 1 uh, growing up, how did the Radio 1 gig come about for you? Two words. Jackie Brambles. Jackie Brambles had been my
2: friend at Capital and we stayed in touch and I'd leave her little notes at Broadcasting House because she moved across there before I did. And when Radio 1 were looking, she called me and said, would you like to come in and talk to Johnny Bealing? And I said, yes, because you'll go in and talk to anybody, won't you? You, I'll have a conversation. I'm having a conversation with you, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so I went in to talk to Johnny Beerling. And of course, you know, you 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 kind of have to make these decisions. You you kind of have to make these decisions because things come along. Well, somebody once asked me what my favorite line from a song was. And when I was a little girl and I used to listen to the radio, every Christmas Eve, Elton John and Rod Stewart would do a live show at the Hammersmith Odeon. So that was something I had listened to. And Rod Stewart did a song and even now I heard it on the radio the other day and I can't turn it off. I mean, it, you know if I'm if I'm sitting in the car and I arrive somewhere I have to listen to the end of this story. And it's The Killing of Georgie parts one and two. And I don't know if you know the song, but it's such a powerful piece of music. It really is. And I heard it literally last week after Popmaster with Ken Bruce and it took my breath away and it makes me cry. But there is a line in it which is never wait or hesitate. Get in kid before it's too late. You may never get another chance. And, you know, I, I can just say, you know, because I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> As these opportunities come up in your life, you know when it's the right thing. You just do. You know when it's. It's like when Richard Park said to me, I'd like you to stop being a vision mixer at TVAM and come and work for me. That didn't feel right. But once I then didn't have the thing that I was my comfort zone that I loved doing, it was right to go and do the radio. And with this, even though I love capital, the time was right for something different. I'd done a lot of late night radio and I felt I was capable of more. And strangely, that's done a full circle because when you started, when I started, you would be started on late night radio. And as you do the different shifts, you know, you get to do breakfast, you get to do lunch times, you get to do afternoons. As I've got more grown up, I realize that people that listen to the radio at night are listening to the radio. And I think during the day it's a different thing. People are multitasking, they are they have you on, and sometimes you're just wallpaper but at night it's a different thing. And now if you were to say to me, so back then, all those years ago, if you said to me, what do you want to do? Well, then I would have wanted to be moved further down the card. So I was on during the day and probably getting a bit more sleep. Now I would say to you every time late night radio is the best time to be on the radio. You get the most fantastic response from listeners that are listening. It's it's just a whole different ball game. But But things have changed. Things have changed massively over the years.
1: December 29th arrives and uh, your first show, it's weekend overnight. And Mm. uh, how excited were you? I think (laughs) it was very different to Capital.
2: Capital had been my dream. This was going to be a whole different ball game. So a lot of the people that listened in London had a London accent. So when I was at Capital, I answered my own phones. I didn't have a producer. I could move the songs around. Um, there was a whole CD rack and you could go, oh, look, you know what? I could play the Doobie Brothers here or I could play Prince or I could play a little bit of Ian Jerry and the Blockheads. When I got to Radio 1, it was the same situation, and in fact, can I say, that I picked every single one of the songs I played at Radio 1 in those days. So you had to build, a, you'd built a show, and you know, I just got a bag of, of music with me that I loved which was a a great place to be in but I was also answering the phones myself and suddenly I was open to a whole new world a whole new world where the callers were from Scotland from Wales from Northern Ireland it was just a much bigger audience the coverage was a much bigger audience you know um and of course the road shows opened up as well which meant and I hadn't done this I'd not travelled I didn't I'd never been further than the Isle of Wight suddenly I was on Radio 1 and there were nine weeks of road shows and you would go out and you would cover the whole of the UK I went to places I'd never heard of and saw the most incredible beaches in the UK. The whole experience at Radio 1 was, uh, so the Capital One was an explosion of loveliness and going to Radio 1 was an explosion of loveliness with bells on. Um, And I was working with broadcasters that I really didn't know very well. One of the first people I met was John Peel, who was a joy, I mean, just a complete joy. And I couldn't work out why I'd never heard of him. So I'd gone from being quite uh, naive and, and narrow in my knowledge of other people on the radio. I knew what I liked and it was all London based. But that's because I hadn't been offered this before and suddenly there was so much to learn and so many incredible characters like Annie Nightingale, like John Peel, like Simon Bates, like Steve Wright. You know, the list goes on and on. And I can remember having one of those weekend shows off and they said, okay, if you're going to be away that weekend, we are going to put Paul Gambaccini on your Saturday night show and Nicky Horn on your Sunday night show. And that blew my mind completely i just thought how can these guys who are just extraordinary be covering for me it was it was just a whole new world it really was and i learned so much i loved it i it was like dying and going to heaven it was amazing
1: and dying and going to heaven, because you mentioned you weren't familiar with all the presenters, but am I right in thinking from your Capital days? Because you said Jackie Brambles was there. Was Fluff Freeman and Pete Tonne also at Capital when you were there? Or, or had they moved on to...
2: No, they were. And, and of course, darling Fluff was... <laughs> he straddled the BBC. <laughs> that's that's very much a Kenny Everett expression, isn't it? Uh, Fluff also straddled the BBC and commercial radio. And I can, I adore Fluff. I mean, just, just my absolute favourite as a character on and off mic. And when he was working at Capital, he would wear his Radio One sweatshirt. And when he was working at Radio One, he'd wear his Capital sweatshirt. And when he left Radio One and went to do some classical work, he would, he kept his office. People adored him. He kept his office and he would still come in and you would hear opera. You would hear Madame Butterfly being played so loudly in that office. And I'd go and sit in there and that, that, you know, that end bit that um, many people will know. If you don't know opera, you will definitely have seen the end of Pretty Woman, where that's being played as he climbs up with the rose between his teeth to rescue Julia Roberts. I sat there and listened to that for the first time ever with Alan Freeman, and it was a crackly old recording. But I sat on the floor and he sat on the desk and we both cried. It was just amazing. And we'd always said we would go to an opera together, but we didn't get to an opera together, which I, one of my big disappointments. I'll tell you what. Uh,
0: not off. Thiggo, uh, thiggo. And um, kisses on the bottom. Have I passed? Do you know what, Peebs? Can I have my fluff badge? I think you've been reading my mail. <laughs> ta <Ta-ta. laughs>
1: Within the first five months of joining the team, as you mentioned, uh, you were doing the road shows uh, coming uh, coming around in the summer, but then also you were doing uh, travel for other high-profile shows, including, it must be said, you were uh, deputising for Sybil Rusco on the Radio 1 breakfast show.
2: It was Simon Mayo, and they said, would you like to do the travel for us? Because we are looking for someone to do the travel, but would you like to do it whilst we're finding someone? And I said, I will do it for you whilst you're finding someone. But a bit like driving a car. Do you drive, Luke? Uh, do you know, I'm, uh, this is going to sound embarrassing. I don't. OK. I passed my driving test a couple of weeks after I was 17. And to this day, I cannot bear to be driven. I like to drive. So there have been many opportunities for me to go on as a co-host with people. And I choose not to. Because I'm not, I wouldn't be a very good navigator. For, for a start, my sense of direction wouldn't be great. But I do like to be in the driving seat. I really like to be in the driving seat. Over the years, I've done, you know, at the BBC, when they do um, something over Easter or Christmas and they'll do a rundown of the top 100 of this, that or the other. You would do it with another presenter. You would broadcast with another presenter and flip-flop. Um, but often the other presenter would say, I'm driving the desk. And that that doesn't sit well with me. I'm, I'm happy to share occasionally. So, Diane Oxbury had done an incredible job on the travel with Simon Mayo, and then she got a fantastic offer somewhere else, and she left. And they were really disappointed. And they said, would you do it till someone else comes along? And I said, Yes, I will. So I did it for a short time. It was just the most... I had two stopwatches and you would do one recording and you wouldn't know how long it was going to be. And it was in a studio full of people. So that Simon Mayo's breakfast show would have lots of... You'd have producers, you'd have other people contributing, not just travel. And I would sit there and they'd go, right we've got three minutes on this song and I'd have a stopwatch in one hand and I'd do a national bulletin and then I'd have a stopwatch in the other one and I would have to make sure that that was the same length. I wouldn't have a second chance of recording it um, for London. And um, so we would one would go out recorded and one would go out live and then they'd finish on a jingle. And it was like Jeopardy. It was like Jeopardy doing it. So that was once again another fabulous lesson but it wasn't something i wanted to do full time jamiroquai too young to die from the album emergency on planet earth spending its second week at number one selling almost a third more than the album at number two up one for rod stewart unplugged and seated from it hot legs the one fm album chart we take into account sales right up until midnight last night to bring you the chart that reflects what you're really listening to
1: you, you did The Travel and then, you, and then of course, comes, is it Lynn Parsons' mega hit and the 1FM album charts? Oh, the album chart was amazing. I work with a
2: fantastic, I've used the word fantastic too much, so let's just think. I work with an amazing producer called Syrah Hussain, who I still know to this day. Uh, we've both got grown-up children. we both kept in touch. Um, And I remember her first day at Radio One and she'd come straight from university and they put her with me and I'd never really, uh, I had some lovely producers, but no one had ever gone, do you know what? That's really good that you do that. But she was quite critical. She'd go, I think you should try this. I think you should try something else. Why don't you try something else? Have a think about it. And It kind of rubbed me up the wrong way to start with. But in the end, we got some great shows because we're all learning, aren't we? As I said to you earlier on, it doesn't matter whether you open the door and speak to the postman because your dog's barking or, you know, you speak to the receptionist at the dentist. We've all got something to pass on to someone else and and there's an exchange that goes on you learn from everyone um and sarah was joyful to work with so that was on the album show
1: amazing you say about learning and all that because like um i've because at this time, I think Claire Sturgis was also doing the rock show, and she-, she
2: was. Oh my god, I love Claire Sturgis with a passion. I love
1: that woman. <laughs> oh, and and you know, Sturgis did did a ve- did an early radio greats with me, and she was saying about working on the rock show and having to learn on the job, uh, yeah. coming straight from um, Simon's shows, and yeah, it was, um, but. October of 1993 arrives and uh, Johnny Beelin leaves and is replaced by Matthew Bannister. That's um, right. And you, in turn, are moved from weekend overnights and succeed Bob Harris as host of uh, the weekday overnights. Mm. And I have to ask during that period, um, seeing uh, the big beasts like Fluff, like Simon Bates, like Bob, DLT, all. Um, move away from Radio 1 was it what what was that change like well the thing i would say is um the one thing
2: that is guaranteed in life is change nothing lasts forever and i think that is why it's good to be in the now and appreciate what's around you i felt like it was a family and our family were being broken up and there was a television crew outside and that they they often, when they make documentaries about Radio 1, they they show this bit of me looking a little bit miserable, which is unusual because usually I'm wetting my pants laughing. Um, I'm a big giggler and a television cameraman came up to me and a journalist put a mic under my chin and said, how do you feel about taking Bob Harris's show? And it's the first time, in fact, most times I've got a smile for someone and I just looked at him and said, how do you think I feel? I'm walked away and often those photographs when they're shown I'm not smiling and that's sad that they're the ones they get out because I'm smiling most of the time. We had no control. Change was going to happen and change is always good. We we know that. When you look back at it change is always good and cream always rises to the top top so what if it's not your turn there then it's your turn somewhere else. I have to say I wasn't treated badly. I was, um, I continued to work there under Matthew Bannister. Um, But I have heard interviews with people that did feel they had been treated very badly at that point. Um, And that was heartbreaking because they were my friends. But I was not treated badly. And um, it continued to be an adventure for me until... I know. thanks to marvel radcliffe back tonight at 10 on 1fm that's you too playing that especially for bob harris tucked up with wife trudy on their first weekday night in bed together sipping champagne if they know what's good for them you show tonight the name's lynn parsons pleased to meet you midnight till four monday to thursday let's do it uh, time at
1: radio one has all we sounded like fun presenting programs, going to the road shows, and um, also conducting the final interview with Peter Cook. Oh, yes, that um, was just joyful too. And I mean, I know you, I know, like when I asked with Capital and you said it was very hard to pinpoint a, a highlight. Would you say it was the same with Radio One? It was very hard to pinpoint a highlight there.
2: Yes, it was. I think it was four years for me there. And we laughed all the time. Do you know, I heard an interview on the radio this morning with Julia Roberts and George Clooney because they're doing a film together. And they were talking about having worked together before and all the tricks they'd played. And I think when you are with... I mean, what, what better position to be in that you absolutely love what you do, you feel in your comfort zone, for me, talking but you are also surrounded by people that you feel safe with, that you have come to know as your friends, as your family, extended family. I think the highlights are always that we laughed. It's music. It's fun. It's what it needs to be. If you're not having a good time, then the listener can hear you're not having a good time. And if you're not having a good time at anything, whatever you do for a living, whether you are a dentist or a commercial pilot or if you're not enjoying it you shouldn't do it should you um but i have always enjoyed it at radio 1 i've i've heard people say that they had miserable times there I can only put my hand on my heart, Luke, and tell you I absolutely loved every moment.
1: And love in every moment is vitally important in any any radio station you work at. But the 24th of March 1996 arrives and you do present your last Radio 1 show. And I I have to ask, was it hard to say goodbye?
2: No, it wasn't hard to say goodbye.
1: Um, And the reason was,
2: and you know how... If each one of us look at our own lives in or out of radio, there is always something going on. There's movement. As I said to you, change always happens. Um, I'd got a very big belly at the time and had always been told I couldn't have a baby. And suddenly I was pregnant. So I left in March and in April I had the most beautiful baby boy, a miracle baby. And so that was my next adventure, my next reason to be my next reason to laugh. That didn't mean I didn't want to work in radio again. But it also uh, would have been a bit of a problem doing all the hours I was doing. You know, sometimes you were doing seven days a week. Um, And it was a, a very important to me, having been told I couldn't have a baby and then suddenly have this precious thing to spend a bit more time with this precious thing. What is really funny is, and I remember this vividly, um, the people that I work with were very sad that I was leaving. And so I had my baby in April and then I got a call a week afterwards and they said, "Roadshow start. <laughs> Road shows start in July. And I went, I've got a baby now. And they went, so? And I said to my husband, what do you think? And he said, what do they want? And he said, I said, they want me out there for, every, for nine weeks. And he said, I said, I can't do that. And he said, why don't you go back and tell them you'll give them the first... And the last week and they'll need to find someone else. So I did the first and the last week of the road shows, even though I wasn't on air there. And it was just it it you know, you I still felt wanted. It it wasn't a it wasn't a bad end, it was just a change. It was just the next chapter. His royal purpleness, Prince with Peach and Rush, spirit of Radio on One FM. So what's in store tonight? Well, there's the Erogenous Zone Part One at twelve forty-five, where we slow things down for your further listening pleasure. Just after one, we'll review three new entries on this week's album chart and ask you which album you'd most like to hear a track from every night this week. And at two fifteen, the Time Tunnel provides you with a chance to win a One FM CD clock. At two forty-five, the Erogenous Zone Part Two, and at three fifteen, you your chance to win the top 10 albums in the UK on the format of your choice. Stick around if you can.
1: Uh, well, the, the adventure um, continues and the chapter starts uh, with uh, you embarking on as a rock DJ path, should we say, with Virgin Radio. Yes, but... It wasn't
2: really rock. We're not talking about Claire Sturgis rock. We're talking about just rockier songs. Um And even the Virgin radio that exists now or the absolute radio that it became, it's just rockier songs. So it's not heavy rock. It's not planet rock. I had my baby and I was very happy. But my husband said to me, listen, I think, you know, that's what make your heart sing. And they are looking for someone to just do weekends at Virgin. So I went in to see Mark Story. And the last time I'd seen Mark's story prior to that, I'd never actually worked with him at Capitol, but he had worked at Capital. And as I arrived at Capitol to start that first Friday night show and play When Will I Be Famous by Bross, there was a man with glasses that was leaving the building with lots of equipment. He was taking televisions and videos and all sorts of audio equipment. And I just stopped him on the stairs and I said, I'm really sorry, but this doesn't feel right. It feels like I'm coming in and you're, do you work here? I wasn't sure whether he was a thief, you know. (laughs) And so that was my first experience of Mark's story. And then, of course, suddenly I find myself many years later sitting opposite him as the programme director saying, would you consider me for the weekends? And um, he did. And uh,
1: that's a whole different story. Two years with Virgin, and then in 1998, you um, make a return back to the BBC. This time, uh, you're on BBC Radio 2. Now, over two years since you were with the BBC, Radio 2, like Radio 1, had gone through some rapid changes. But what was it like to be back with the Beeb?
2: I used to drive home after my Virgin show listening to Michael Parkinson on Radio 2. And his interviews were incredible. There was, I think I preferred the radio interviews. I mean, he did some incredible um, television interviews as well. But I think the radio interviews were far more intimate because you were listening to what they were saying and you didn't have the visuals to distract you. And I heard an interview with Paul McCartney and I thought this just is. And I've always been someone. So if I see someone that's across the road from me that I don't know, that's wearing a fantastic outfit, I will walk across the road if I've got time and say, Do you know, that is an amazing outfit. You look incredible in it. And I've never thought that I couldn't approach anyone. So I wrote to Michael Parkinson and said, that was just wonderful to listen to on my way home from my work. I didn't say what I did. I, you know, I didn't expect him to know anything about me. And I also wrote, I found out who was the uh, programme controller and it was a, a man called Jim Moyer. And I wrote to him and said, y- that, that kind of radio is just treasure. It's real treasure. And I have listened to Radio 2 over the years. I grew up as a baby uh, when I was being bathed, probably aged about six months. My mum used to listen to Radio 2 and I put this all in the note. Um, and there was a, a Sunday show called Sing Something Simple. And so that's what I used to go to bed listening to. And I explained that I had always listened, even though I'd had this diversion through my life and uh, gone and done these things. And I said to Jim Moyer, I don't expect you to know anything about me or what I do or to be interested in it. And I should imagine you've got so many people that want to work for you. But if you ever want someone to cover, da-da-da-da-da-da, I'm your girl... Uh, And then put my address and phone number. And a bit like the time that Richard Park made uh, contact, within 24 hours of me getting in contact, Jim Moyer called me and said, I think you better come in and see me. And he said, to start with, we're going to, uh, you're going to be in Birmingham. (laughs) A bit of a curveball, <laughs> but it takes me on my next adventure. Save the world today on Radio 2. So how has your day been? Oh, like that? Listen, put your feet up. You are going to have such fun if you stay with us. Uh, just after 11 o'clock tonight, a musical extravaganza. I've promised you this all this week, and I always keep my promises. The Alice Band play live. And they, they've been in, and we've had a sound check and everything, and it is so wonderful you must stay with us or you'll be very very sorry and tonight we start a brand new what when where oh no you weren't listening last night you didn't know the answer. Well, last night, Nadine from Nottinghamshire correctly guessed the clip was of Ted Heath. Uh, and he was talking about Betty Boothroyd's selection as the first female Speaker of the House of Commons in 1992. And Nadine from Nottinghamshire won herself something like 15 CDs and a Radio 2 round thing. Um, so, a brand new one tonight. Should you win tonight... Although I think that this one's going to cause a bit of controversy on the phones, um, then you'll win yourself REM, Automatic for the People, and a Radio 2 round thing.
1: Have a listen. Going to work yeah. in Birmingham with Radio 2. And am I also right in thinking uh, your first show with Radio 2 is back uh, in your old slot um, of Overnights?
2: It was. Oh, goodness me. Can you hear the, can you hear the dust moving about in my brain and the little? <laughs> cogs the wheels going try and remember um I think I did midnight till four oh. Friday night into Saturday morning Saturday night into Sunday morning but was very quickly moved on I did Ken Bruce's show I did Sarah Kennedy's show quite a lot um and then I had a whole year doing 10 30 till midnight um when there was a, a move around due to to some stuff that happened that I probably won't mention here that was not to do with me. But another presenter was moved off the network. Richard Allenson was moved to their show. I was moved to the Richard Allenson show, which was a dream. An hour and a half of radio, an hour of which you would have a guest. And it could... It was prime ministers. It was authors. It was actors. It was... I got to speak to so many people. And actually, I think that's probably where my interviewing got so much better because there was someone every single night. So you couldn't, you couldn't panic and go, oh, I've got Paul McCartney on Wednesday and I'm doing Elton John tonight, but I'll just look at the Paul McCartney interview. I I learned something I I hadn't learned at school. At school, no one showed me how to revise for exams. And so my head was a bit all over the place. I was thinking, shall I do my geography? Shall I do my history? What shall I revise for? This taught me to to stay focused, and tonight I'm going to interview Elton John. Tomorrow night I'm going to interview John Major. I will not look at that until nine o'clock the next morning. So that was a that was a that
1: was a huge learning curve. And it really was. I, I, I could imagine. And um, Radio Two being uh, by now with Radio One when you were there, it was the nation's favourite, and Radio Two has now uh, moved into the place of the nation's favourite and working alongside all these big beasts of um of the radio i have to ask what was working with terry wogan like beautiful man inside and
2: out and it was just a giggler there were no there was no ego uh, just I, i don't have a word to describe him other than lovely just lovely but my fondest memories of terry uh I'm not thinking of him not here anymore are when I was sitting in for Sarah Kennedy first thing in the morning and I'd be pronouncing a name from Ireland incorrectly and suddenly I'd turn around and he'd got his hands on my shoulders and I'd got a swing chair and I'd I'd say something like um, this is for Niamph and he'd go little Lynn that would be neve on the on the radio so everybody could hear he was... Just sweet, so sweet. And in fact, he obviously, he didn't just do that to me. He must have done it to other people because there was a little... I said to him, look, you've worn a a hole in the carpet just behind the chair. You obviously do that to Sarah as well. Uh, Sweet man, such a sweet man. Oasis, the importance of being idle. I don't know about you, but this cold weather, it's certainly cold and it's been wet down my neck of the woods and I know that you've had some snow possibly. Is there you know it's comfort food, isn't it, that does it for you. Comfort food, a uh, hot water bottle by the fire. And for me, lock rice to Candleford usually does it on a Sunday evening as well. But I noticed that we're saying happy birthday to Fifth and Chips this week, celebrating 150 years of the great British institution. And so I thought this morning, I, I mean, you don't have to have a reason to, to contact me. I'd love to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. 88291, Text charge your standard message rate and to email lynn.parsons at bbc.co.uk. But thought we'd talk interesting combinations of food. So fish and chips, been together for 150 years, a bit like more and Wise, really beans on toast was what Charlotte said she would never dream of having beans with anything but toast for me sausages and brown sauce gotta put the two together doesn't matter how unusual your combination is and whether you're pregnant or not I was listening to Chris Evans in the week and he says he has a friend that honestly can't eat chocolate unless she's got hula hoops as well because it brings out the taste so love to hear from you to text 88291 to email lynn.parsons at bbc.co.uk
1: With Radio 2 um, up until around about 2012, on and on and off covering other shows, but then mm. in 2007 arrives and you join the lineup of Smooth Radio in London, mm. uh, where you begin a seven-year journey with the station. So. What was joining a new station like Smooth like? Well, it was the starter
2: of uh, Smooth. It was in Castle Ray
1: Street. I had not
2: actually left Radio 2, so I was straddling. Again, there comes that word again. Straddling them both. I was very poorly... In 2006. So I didn't work for a year. And that was because I couldn't work. I'm very well now, but I wasn't very well then. And I probably didn't think I was going to make it. And I probably didn't think I was going to work again. And when I was given the all clear, they contacted me and said, the uh, people in charge at, at Smooth said, Will you come in for a, a chat with us tomorrow? It, you know, it's always tomorrow, it's never in three weeks' time. And I said, "Um, okay, but I haven't been very well. And they went, no, 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 just come in, just come in and see us. So I went in to see them and they said, what's been going on? I said, I haven't been well, but I am well now. But I probably need to come in slowly again if you want me to do something. And they went, what are you thinking? And I said, well, maybe one show a week would be lovely. And so um, I did a Friday night and then Gavin McCoy was the uh, first Program director there and one of the funniest men I've ever met, and one of the kindest program directors as well. (laughs) He said to me, I'd like to come into my office. And I thought, oh, they didn't like it. And that was okay. That was okay. I just, I always think that there's another adventure. If that's not for you, you know, there'll be something else. And he said, You did a show. And I said, Did you not like it? And he went, I absolutely loved it and there's no way you can just do one show. And I said, Well, actually I think it's probably better for my life at the moment that I just do things gradually and, and he went, No, 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 no. I'd like you to do three. Will you do Friday, Saturday and Sunday? And I went very quiet and he said, We're not offering you enough money, are you? And I went, Hang on a minute. Just hang on a minute. This is I'm just trying to catch my breath here. So I did go in and started with Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And then um It was a different group of people I was working with. Once again, so much to learn. Um, And they were very trusting, you know, they were very trusting. So when we launched the station, they said, uh, OK, Lynn, you launch it. 10 minutes before. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, you just go on and talk. And I said, will I have some music underneath me? No, no, no. Just go on and launch the station. (laughs) Once again, a curveball, but learning All the time. Worked with some very lovely people there and including the very, very, very gorgeous Kevin Greening, um, who we lost in the middle of my time at Smooth and the bosses came and they said, you know, we can't, we can't even bear the thought of replacing Kevin, but he's not coming back. Would you consider it? Well, in all that time, I had a second miracle. So I'd had a second beautiful, beautiful child. So, you know, I did believe in miracles. And that second child at that point was five and about to go to school. So I then took on Kevin Greening's show. So that it was more, 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 you know, trickle, trickle, trickle. And I do feel incre- incredibly blessed luke i you know i i know there are many many broadcasters who are absolutely superb i feel blessed to have had these opportunities but every time it comes i go back to that rod stewart song never wait or hesitate get in kid before it's too late you may never get another chance 22 minutes to 7, Tuesday morning on Smooth Radio, Berlin, take my breath away. Uh, Most of the tabloids this morning carrying uh, photographs of David Cameron and Boris Johnson running. I mean, we've had a series of photographs with celebrities over the last few weeks cycling, uh, running here. But what's really interesting is that Boris Johnson looks just like Chris Tarrant in a beanie hat. An absolute ringer. I've been asking you for texts and emails uh, for the question that needs an answer. 57% of people say that this is the first thing they do when they get home. What is it? Pinky says, feed the chickens. And you probably do. Stephen Leslie in Whitwock say, "Uh, put the kettle on. Or are you just asking me to put the kettle on? (laughs) I will. And Geordie Bob says, switch the radio on. Stay with us. Roxy Music next at Smooth Radio. Every
1: chance keeps uh, keeps moving on up, we could say. uh, Well,
2: I think while you're still learning and you're having, and you're enjoying yourself, you're having a good time. I mean, that, that sounds so dismissive, doesn't it? I'm having a good time. You could be having a good time and not learning. You could be having having a good time and, and full of ego. And by the way, there are some egos in our business, but actually not as many as you would be led to believe. There are people that just want to do a very good job.
1: There are absolutely. And and, but smooth as well as being a was, was continuing to grow because you took over afternoons, as you said, when Kevin sadly passed away. But then two years later, as they are moving to a national brand, uh, you take on breakfast. Well, I did.
2: And that was another straddling job because Sarah Kennedy came off of Radio 2. Bob Shannon had arrived there at that time Um, because Jim Moyer and then Leslie Douglas were at Radio 2 while I was there. Then Bob Shannon came and um, Lewis Carney who worked hand-in-hand with Bob Shannon at Radio 2, said to me, "Um, I had just signed to do three months breakfast at Smooth before the arrival of Simon Bates. So he was trying to get out of a contract, you know, or finishing a contract somewhere. So I had signed the day before to do three months on breakfast in preparation for Simon. And Radio 2 said, can you just do the Sarah Kennedy show until further notice? And I said, I think this was maybe September and I said to them I can do this until January and they said why not beyond and I said because I've already promised that I'm going to do breakfast at Smooth and then a conversation can be had once Simon Bates arrived but you know you can't you can't life isn't like that life isn't you can't go oh I've had a I've had a better offer because it wasn't a better offer it was just a job I loved doing. So I loved doing The Sarah Kennedy Show, but I also loved doing Breakfast at Smooth. And I was constantly working and constantly learning and constantly laughing. And there's something about the straddling that comes back again. It's really nice to be straddling. BBC and commercial are completely different. That the working practices just the way things are they are completely different at the BBC you do have the support of phenomenal producers that's knowledge is extraordinary who have car- carry you through um everything from uh, the death of the queen to you know you've got that back up in commercial radio which is where i started you've always done everything you've answered the phones you're you're doing everything yourself and it's a very different animal, but the combination of them both is lovely. The combination is the secret to really enjoying it. I do remember the first time I went to the BBC and I did an interview. um, And it was an interview for one of the evening shows. And they said I was working with a producer. And it was a very strange situation because I'd been a vision mixer, then I'd worked at Capital. And then going to the BBC... The producer said, um, I said, oh, it's half an hour to on air. I'll get that all sorted. And he went, what do you mean? So I said, I'll edit it. I'll edit the interview because there were a couple of swears in it. Not from me, by the way. (laughs) A couple of swears in it and things. And I just wanted to tidy it up a bit. And he said to me, "What?" the producer said, what do you mean? So I said... I'll edit it up. It'll be ready to go at 10. And he said, you go up to the BBC canteen, young lady. That is my job. And I was so shocked, so shocked that I had that support. And I do think it makes for better radio. But when the radio you're doing is about talking to one person in commercial radio, I think spinning the plates yourself works better. So what I'm saying is, They're very different animals, the BBC and commercial radio, but there's a place for them both and it's very nice to straddle. 5 to 7, Tuesday morning on Smooth Radio. How are you? We say congratulations to the European Ryder Cup team beating the US in a dramatic victory at Celtic Manor and uh, photographs in all of the newspapers today of Graham McDowell kissing the cup. On the way, I'll tell you how you can win a brand new Honda and £200 to boot. Stick around.
1: On Stradlin and talking about commercial radio, and you mentioned about um, Simon Bates joining to take on breakfast, and mm. uh, you make, and then of course you making the move to Midmorning's first in the weekends and then to the weekdays. So, I mean, the question I have to ask about Smooth is having uh, been there from the nearer beginning when it was um, just a local station. What was it like to see a station like Smooth develop from a local London service to a national network?
2: Well, you see, you say this, but you are coming from your world. In my world, I don't see radio as clear-cut as that. This is how clear I think radio is. It is me speaking to one person, just like I'm talking to you. That's how radio works. So I never think of it... (laughs) as anything other than that. And if you do have people that are listening in Scotland, in Wales, in Northern Ireland, in Devon, hurrah. But it is only one person. So there was no change within our our shows, etc. There was no change. There might have been change in commercials. There may have been split commercials at that point, national and uh, local com- commercials, but I wouldn't necessarily have anything to do with that. So what I'm trying to say to you is it was exactly the same. <laughs> Does that make sense yeah, that, to you?
1: That that makes that makes sense, Lynn, of course. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I get that.
2: So it wouldn't make any difference, would it? As a broadcaster, you're just doing your very best to have a conversation with someone and say, this is an amazing record. How are you feeling today? Um, so... I do appreciate what you're saying, and what that question would—you'd get a better answer from someone that was in charge of that expansion.
1: In, indeed, probably, probably someone like Dave Brown or Terry Underhill. Yes, exactly. And I, I sort of regret now not asking that to them, but uh, I, I can save that for another time. <laughs> yeah,
2: there'll be op- other opportunities.
1: <laughs> there will be, but uh, maybe one question you you could answer is that in 2014. Mm. Uh, GMG is brought up by Global and um, you present your final show on the 28th of February. Mm. And I know we asked this earlier about leaving Radio 1, but was it hard to say goodbye to Smooth? And would you have liked to...
2: No, it was my choice. So I told them in December that it was time for a new adventure. But but when you have a contract that runs until... I think it ran until the end of uh, February or March... Um, You give them enough opportunity to find someone to do that because things change all the time. Things change all the time. And I had ideas in my head of things I wanted to do. And I had done that for a while. I mean, most of the places I worked, I seemed to work for four years and then move on. And that wasn't because I disliked it. It was just because another adventure came along. So it was time for another adventure. So, no, I wasn't sad at all i would had a great time. It's the Carpenters on Smooth Radio. So good to have your company as we head towards the weekend. Now, I understand because of unusual weather conditions, perhaps you saw the Northern Lights last night. I didn't, sadly, but if you took photos, I'd love to see them. And, of course, any other business, you can text 65588, email smoothradio.com, and to tweet, it's at Smooth Radio. And whilst we're talking about lights, I thought I'd choose the studio lighting on my own today and it's just bright orange and so warming and so is the music billy joel plays next at smooth the Radio. adventure
1: continues because um as smooth move in to leicester square mm. um you head up down the road down to golden square um to begin hosting breakfast with jazz fm well interestingly they were not in golden square
2: so jazz fm were in Margaret Street in, um, so that was before, so Bauer bought Jazz FM. So I was with Jazz FM before that. Jazz is my thing. So I present and I have presented on radio stations with lots of different music. I've done lots of talk radio as well for local BBC stations. But if you have me at home and you say, what are we going to put on? Then you're going to get a bit of jazz. You're going to get a bit of Billy Holiday. You're going to get a bit of Miles Davis. So to be asked to do breakfast at Jazz was a dream at that point. It was a dream. It really was. It was driving into central London. I've always driven everywhere as well. So whatever hours I did, I've always driven. Um, so if I was having to go in at three o'clock in the morning for TVAM or three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning to do a show at Jazz FM, it's the best time. It is just I think it's Alex Lester said it's the best time of the day because you can drive anywhere and you're not stuck in traffic. Um, so I would drive in every morning. The alarm would go off at uh, three. I would drive in to Jazz Park outside Uh, go into their funky little studio in a basement in Margaret Street that was all it was like a New York apartment so there were just you know brick walls and it was just amazing It it was just an amazing adventure it was shorter than I would have hoped but once again another adventure came along Denny Hines, I got you back on Jazz Breakfast from her album, The Soul Sessions. I really recommend you uh, checking it out. Uh, You can buy it at bandcamp.com. And as I say, some great versions of Jill Scott's A Long Walk, Anita Baker's Been So Long, uh, Michael Jackson's PYT, but that particular song she wrote herself, I Got Your Back van morrison our headliner
1: for love supreme this summer on sunday night plays after you travel at jazz breakfast and that adventure comes in the form of magic 105.4 when uh, you take over as the host of mellow magic in the evenings yes i
2: met lovely tony maury who is still at bauer but he's no longer in charge at magic And over the years, I'd had lots of different bosses. Uh, I think I mentioned Gavin McCoy, who is one of the most hilarious bosses I've ever come across and very kind as well. Tony was just very gentle and um, just sold me mellow magic. I mean, he just said, this is our flagship show, which it was at the time. Will you come and work for us? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there's just something about Tony that's so gentle and so respectful. And I say that to this day. I think I've been there five years. It might be more. You'll tell me. Um, but Six years. is it? Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as well I'm not a tree because if you cut me open, I'd have so many rings in that center. Um, I just, there, it was Tony that sold it to me. And then I started working. And there I was in the evenings again thinking um, radio has changed. When I started, I was playing vinyl. I was playing CDs. I was playing carts. And suddenly I'm not. And radio has changed so much. I meet people that chose to leave radio who say to me, why do you do it? It's just not the same anymore. Well, nothing is the same anymore. Change is a con- its a constant thing. It's the only thing you can guarantee change. And so for me, when I'm on in the evening, um, I am literally spinning plates with social media. So being on, I'm not on so late now. So I do seven till 10 now, but just the same. It's super busy. And then 10 till one where I started uh, the Mellow Magic journey. Uh, the messages, so texts, tweets, emails, Facebook, the messages coming in. There's so much that that's what you're focusing on and delivering um, to your listener. You you know, you're saying, hello, Margaret, you're working in a hospital there. What do you t-? You know, so uh, it's a different thing. Whereas when I when I started and we're talking about County Sound and Capital, you were uh, certainly playing the songs you were told to play. And if you answered a phone in between the songs, you might get a dedication. But social media, there are a lot of things that are wrong with social media, but there are an awful lot of things that are right. And it has opened another world. It really has. Um, and and I love being on at the time I'm on. It's just It is really, really lovely. I'm surprised all the time by the contact. Now, I have friends that obviously work during the day at Magic as well. So you're across social media and you can see what's come in during the day. And it's a very different story during the day. Because people, uh, we've said this earlier, are multitasking during the day. So I've done full circle. I've suddenly come to realise that where I started is actually not a bad place to be at all. Texas, say what you want. Monday evening on Magic. How's your day been? And how was the weekend, please? Shall I go first? I went to see the comedian Harry Hill last night at the theatre. Such a funny man. And there were some interesting twists in the show too. He sings Frank Sinatra's song My Way Backwards, which was a sight to behold. And at one point, he told a meandering tale about a broken down car and a squirrel. Now, during this tale, he took the audience, including me, down a rabbit hole and along the way recited at speed the poem Kubla Khan by Samuel Taylor Cooleridge. Perhaps you know it. Well, at school many years ago, I learned that poem off by heart and I was able to follow it in its entirety. I wonder, is there something you learned by heart at school that you can still remember? Whether that was poetry or a principle in physics or science, you get the general idea. It's over to you for Whispers and Windows now. If you're new to the show, welcome. Whispers are like shout-outs, just more gentle. Windows are photos you might want to share with us on social media. I'm thinking stormy skies, beautiful sunrises or sunsets, but don't let my suggestions limit your creative input. To get in touch with the whispers, it's best to text 61054, starting your message with the word magic. And if it's photos you'd like to share, it's better to email lynn at magic.co.uk or you could tweet at lynn UK. It's possible you don't want to get in touch at all and that's fine too. Just come on in and enjoy the ride.
1: On that note, I have to ask, what advice would you give to anyone who's wanting a career in radio?
2: Well, because I started so many years ago, <laughs> it's probably a very different way of finding your way in. Um, certainly, I didn't have a degree and I know lots of the producers that I work alongside have gone and done media degrees. But I don't think, don't write it off if you don't think you've got the right qualifications. If you would like to, to talk for a living. And that is your gift. You'll find a way. You'll find a way. And if you ever, if there's anybody who's listening (laughs) that wants to come and learn how to do it the wrong way, they're very happy to sit here with a cup of coffee in my studio and watch. (laughs)
1: Well, I I think I I think I'll take you up on that offer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I am at home nowadays. So you will have to share the sofa with the dog who is enormous. I'm just saying he's 35 kilos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair fair enough. And uh, well, finally, Lynn, on that note, who was your radio great? Well, it obviously changed over the years because I met
2: so many people and impossible to name just one. So let's start with Kenny Everett because Kenny Everett was extraordinary, but the characters along the way, and for different reasons. Kenny Everett, because of his creativity. Peter Young for his music. Robbie Vincent for his chattability, if you like. And, you know, he, he uh, I think, is a magistrate, or was a magistrate. He was into jazz, but those early days, those formative years for me listening to the radio, Robbie Vincent taking phone-in calls when I was, you know, eight or something. And he's working at Jazz now. So you learn something from everyone. I'm turning it on its head again here, Luke. So I would have learnt from Kenny Everett, from Alan Freeman, from Peter Young, from, you know, all of these people I've learnt something from. Uh, And can I just tell you, my first experience of being on the radio was with Nicky Horn. He used to do a show called Your Mother Wouldn't Like It, but he also used to do a show called uh 6 of the best and he would start his show on capital and he would say right i want uh you to contact with me i'd like you to contact me with songs for and he'd give you a subject and then he'd play six songs related to that and i can remember laying as a child on my mother's bed with the phone beside the bed and him saying, music for peeping toms. And in our house, I'd listen to everything from Frank Sinatra to Frankie Vaughan to George Formby. And I remember George Formby singing When I'm Cleaning Windows. And I rang and got through to Nicky in the studio. Uh, I probably was aged. To pick up the phone and speak to a, a disc jockey probably would have been about 10 and he said, music for Peeping Toms, what do you want? And I said, when I'm cleaning windows, George Formby. And he played it and that was joyful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Lynn Parsons, thank you ever so much for joining me on this edition of Radio Greats today. <laughs> it's a pleasure.
2: Smooth Radio plays will to power for my gorgeous boys, Raphael, Paris and Pascal. Thank you for your company and for your friendship. Sending love and sunshine and a big bunch of daffodils to Kate Garraway, who starts Monday at 10 a.m. on Smooth Radio.
0: Remembering the great DJs of radio. It's Radio Greats with the Live Luke.